Welcome to the Grow People podcast. Uh, that is Pastor Jason, lead pastor. Revolution. That is the Grow Pastor. Grow Pastor. That's the that's the version two of this. That's yes. the Grow People mug. That's what yeah. I was trying to say. Yeah. If you don't have a Grow People mug, uh, take a picture of this. Um, <laughs> print it out on a sticker. Yeah, and put it on your mug, and then cut it out with uh, you know an exacto knife. Because that's what we did. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I got to get one of those mugs. They're so cool. They're charcoal with the logo on it. How'd you get them? They could just go to the, uh, wherever they get their podcast and get the logo, like screenshot the logo. They could do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then post it on their mugs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then post it on the internet. Uh, So, and hashtag it. Grow people podcast. There you go. I I made that up. I don't, I don't know if that's even. You can send it to us. A thing. Show us, show us your, uh. Your, your mug. Your, <laughs> Show us your mug. Your mug shot. Yeah, give us your mug shot. There you go. There's, well, the, there's the title. Welcome. Um, that's Pastor Jason Lead, Pastor Revolution Church. Uh, now in his 13th year. Next year will be 14 years. It comes after 13. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, next year will be the 20th year of Revolution Church. Yep. Uh, big soiree. Uh, black tie event. We actually haven't planned blue tie, any. blue tie, blue tie. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. haven't planned anything for the uh, 20th anniversary, but there will be something. But we have planned that we're going to plan it, yeah, which is a big deal. Yeah, to be a to be a year and a half out and plan something in in, in late 2024, three quarters of the way through 2024. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be August two thirds. Yeah, three. Yeah, three yeah. quarters. So we don't know what that looks like, um, but that's cool. My name's David Stein. And uh, I stopped by here uh, eight and a half years ago, and here we are, <laughs> still here. I thought you were going to say you stopped by the podcast this morning. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. That too. Um, hey, Tucker Carlson, gone. Don Lemon, gone. ESPN, they're letting people go. But we're still here. Doing we're still the po- here. Doing the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm the campus pastor at our Canton location. And of course, the purpose of the Grow People podcast is to help grow, grow people. people. Very good. There we go. It's like howling at the moon. I know you're expecting us to spend the next five minutes uh, talking and laughing about some type of food item, but we're not going to do that. We're holding back on you. Um, We've decided against it. I am. I am not a pet peeve guy. I, I, ju- I just. I'm. I'm not. I don't. Hmm. I don't have pet peeve. I have things I dislike. Yeah. I, I've never really caught. But I. I realized we had a uh, a retreat planning event for Rev Kids. Mm-hmm. So. All the Rev Kids staff and Pastor Chad and I went away for two days. We planned like the next decade of of Rev Kids. Yeah, I have a pet peeve. I, I, I do. So you are a pet peeve guy. I, turns out, turns okay. out, uh, we were in a place and it was like a really cool play, and they've just had the wrong music on. Hmm. And I realized that's my pet peeve. Hmm. So I, it's the wrong the mood's not right. The wrong music yeah. in the wrong place. Hmm. So like, if you go into like a classic old world Italian restaurant and they're not playing Sinatra or Dean Martin or something like that. They're playing techno. They're playing, te- yeah. <laughs> they're playing techno or classic rock or yeah. I, I try to remember, I try to forget my classic rock days because hmm. I remember them too well. Yeah. So I'm trying to forget them. I got, I do not like some of the playlists at our gym. Hmm. Oh yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to tell you, you missed yesterday's. It was a, it was an interesting one. <laughs> I'm sure a, a song came up with some, Pretty foul language, and he he did run to go go hit next. Okay, so that good. was good, good, yeah. good. Because I I mentioned that one time, yeah, and and I felt bad afterwards, but there were ladies in the room, yeah, and 
No. Well, and Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Christians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there's just something about that, that 70s, 80s classic rock that just, I don't, I don't want to hear it. Mm. Is that what was playing? Yeah. Where, it, you, where you were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the, in it, what in, should it have been? Is it, a better oh, question. It should have been like smooth jazz. Or okay. Should have been, um, you know, some soft vocals. Gotcha. May, maybe even some classical music. Yeah. But it was just, it was just the wrong. Something vibe. a little more. Yeah. Subdued. Yeah. 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 There, there's a, there's a place we go for for tacos, and it's right on 140, and it's awesome. I'm not, I'm not going to tell anybody what it is because then I don't want it to be so crowded we can't get in. Well, now you're talking about food. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's right. We are, <laughs> <laughs> and and they play the perfect music. I, I walk in and I feel festive. Yeah, that's so, good. Okay. No, it's funny. Yeah, I wouldn't. I can see how you're not really a pet peeve guy because you are very uh, patient dude and so and i think everybody would say that about you you are very compassionate so it's good to know but that pet peeve because i i too wouldn't say that i have like younger i wouldn't say i have a lot of pet peeves but as i've gotten older <laughs> i i do and li if Lindsay was on here right now she's like oh yeah you have a lot of them um like I used to say, I'm I'm a patient guy until I'm not patient anymore. <laughs> and then somebody said once, well, does that mean you're not patient then? You know? So it is quite remarkable that you have lived six decades and you don't have very many pet peeves. Things so I think there's things I don't like. Yeah. You know, cilantro being number one <laughs> from the devil. Yeah. Product of the fall, the cilantro is. But as for, you know, I'm. Well, maybe the cilantro itself is not part of the fall. But the fact that it got put on food is part of the fall. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there. Yeah. There's the sin. Yeah. Right there. I mean, like, I joke about mosquitoes. You know that they were a part of the fall, but obviously anything created is not. But the fact that we don't eat mosquitoes, though. No. So. <laughs> no. Not on purpose. That would be part of the fall. Not on purpose. Uh, so yeah, cilantro is on a food because I agree with you there. I don't. I don't think it's necessary. I was telling somebody this week. I won't even touch it when Leanna says, "Hey." Go to the store, get a bunch of cilantro. I I take I take one of the bags and not one of the bags for leafy vegetables. Yeah. I I take one of the big heavy plastic bags for <laughs> potatoes. There's a, there's a difference. Yeah, and, and it takes you like four minutes to open it up. Yeah, and then I put my hand in it, put my whole arm in it. Then I grab the cilantro and I pull it out and then I pull the bag over it. Like, Just the way, like the same way you pick up dog excrement? Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. The same way. Pickles and pretzel, they have their bag. Cilantro has its bag. I get, I get, some, I get some looks in the supermarket. I, I would say that's not a pet peeve. That's neuroticism. <laughs> no, because I don't even want to need to talk to your counselor about this. I have. I, I, don't, even, I don't even want to smell it. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know it was that bad. It is. I didn't know that. Yeah. Were you like beat with cilantro as a child or something? <laughs> <laughs> Were you tortured with it? As like, is this a? It could be a repressed memory. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I mean, there goes the rest of my day. There's a lot of things I don't like either, but I've never <laughs> heard of somebody doing the reverse bag to pick up. Yeah, something from the supermarket. Yeah. It's a smell that lasts the entire uh, day. Well, so. All right. Well, let's let's we move did on. Talk about food. Let's but. move on. Uh, cilantro is not a food. 
And I only mentioned tacos in reference to the location. Location. And the, the, music. the music. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and if you're with me on that, just hit a thumbs up on the podcast, wherever you're listening to the podcast. Or I mean, just in your car, you just thumbs up out your person driving down yeah. the road with you. Yeah, do that. Do that. Um, we are coming to a, here's a, here's a hard shift. Uh, we are coming to the close of John, the gospel according to John. Mm-hmm. And, you know, early on you were joking that we'll be in it for a couple of years. And we, we have been. We have been. Yeah, we started in February of 21. Yeah. So here we are in April or May, depending upon when you're listening to this, uh, April of 2023, we're in John chapter 20, mm-hmm. uh, finally got to the fam- well, We just finished chapter 20. Yeah. Yeah. Finally got to the verses uh, that we've been talking about the entire time. This is why the book was written. Yeah. But specifically, I wanted to talk about uh, at the beginning of this podcast is the importance of a physical resurrection. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it is hugely significant. In fact, I was actually listening to a um, debate this morning with, between a, a believer, two different, a historian and a theologian. Theologian obviously is a believer. The historian is not a believer. And talking about the significance of the resurrection. And the historian was talking about how he believes that the early disciples believe they saw Jesus, uh, that they saw, they saw something. He doesn't dispute that they, that they didn't see something, but he said that they didn't see a resurrected person because that breaks the law of physics, you know, that no human being has ever done that, you know? So the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus is so huge because again, without it, it it doesn't it doesn't validate the truth that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is God. But also it it has a lot of meaning. Like it's important that Jesus didn't just resurrect, like it wasn't just his soul that was resurrected. Or it because again, what we believe right now, as what mo- most modern people believe, not even Christians. But what most modern people believe is that you die. Like right now we're living, our body and our soul is together. Well, when we die, our body goes into the ground. And even people that are not Christian believe that your soul lives on somehow, you know? And so the idea that, like this historian said, what he believes is Jesus's body stayed in the ground, but Jesus, maybe his soul or Maybe it was their own kind of like their mind making up what they saw kind of thing. But even if it was his spirit or his soul that was, that they saw Mm -hmm. that, that is not enough either. Um, Because there's been all kinds of claims throughout human history of people that after somebody died, they had a visitation that they saw, you know, they saw this, their dead, their loved one that they, that had died, they saw him. Uh, and I've, you know, many people have said that, but Christianity is not that because it, because that doesn't make it unique. Mm-hmm. If it was just a spirit, which is why I use the Luke text, because Luke actually, Luke tells us what Jesus said more than what John did, which would make sense because Luke was a doctor and he was looking for more details. 
So Luke gives us a little bit more detail when Jesus says to the disciples, because the disciples thought they were seeing a spirit. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, no, I'm not a spirit because spirits don't have flesh and bone like I have. So touch me, you know, see, I have a resurrected body and the, the nail holes and the, the hole in his side proved this is the same body. This is the one that was just dead three days ago. So again, our entire faith hinges upon that fact because A, it proves who Jesus was, but B, it shows the kind of future we're going to have. We're not going to have a future of just a reality where our soul lives on. Um, now, again, if you die, if we were to die now, which Paul gets into this in First Thessalonians, if we were to die now, which the vast majority of us will die before Christ returns, um, our spirit goes to heaven with God and our bodies in the ground. Um, and then when Jesus returns, they will be joined together again. You know, the, the dead in Christ shall rise. Those mm -hmm. bodies will rise. The soul will be together with the body again in the same way that heaven will be together with earth again. And so again, then that that's what makes the, the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus so important because without that, we have no guarantee that heaven and earth will be together again, mm -hmm. that there won't be a physical life, you know, with God in eternity. So that's what makes it so important. And so we, we don't just believe that that the soul or the spirit of Jesus lived on, but his body as well. And so Jesus now in heaven has a physical resurrected body, and he will always have that. In the same way, when we are resurrected, we will as well. That will be our, our glorified state, as Paul calls it. So the point that I made was the resurrection guarantees that this renewal and restoration is possible, mm -hmm. that God is going to renew what was interrupted, which was heaven and earth, and he's going to restore it, which means it'll be better, you know, and I didn't make this point on on the weekend, and I, I initially I had intended to, but then I just get excited and think about other things. But what's going to be different from the new heaven and the new earth is, and I can't point to a scripture and verse that that says this, but just logically you can deduce it. You know, when God created Adam and Eve, um, Adam and Eve did not have any context for life without God. All they knew was life with God. Right. So when Satan comes along and tempts them, they were tempted that life without God could be better because they didn't know. They didn't, they didn't know if it could or couldn't be. Right. So they, you know, they messed around and found out. But what will be different with us in the new heaven and the new earth, and the Bible describes it as a city where in the beginning it was a garden. So it's more developed. What will be different is we will have a context. We will have a knowledge that Adam and Eve didn't have. They didn't know what life was out was like without God. They didn't know suffering or death. In heaven, we will. We will know what life was like without God. We will know, again, as evidenced by Jesus's physical resurrected body, still had the marks on it mm -hmm. from his death. So I believe we will know what life was like without God which will therefore make the new heaven and the new earth that much better because we will know God 
but with a fuller context of mm-hmm. knowing what life was what like without him. Mm-hmm. So the best way I can say it is a physical resurrected body is better than just a created one. Right. Because the created one doesn't know life without God, Adam and Eve, but a resurrected one does know life. So it's actually, and it's weird, and, and, and I was listening to a sermon from Tim Keller. It's the same way that suffering enhances joy. Um, there's a lot of people, like let's say somebody that gets newly married, and you know we call it puppy love, and they're in love with each other. And well, you got people that have been married 40 years, look at that, and you're like, oh, you have no idea. You know, <laughs> now it doesn't mean that when someone's new in love or they're just started, doesn't mean that that's not genuine. Right. It is genuine. Mm-hmm. It just means it's still shallow because mm-hmm. they haven't suffered together yet. Right. They haven't been mad at each other yet and had to reconcile. They haven't had to forgive. So in the same way, when I'm sinned against and I forgive, it actually enhances my joy with that person. So a resurrected body guarantees that my joy will actually be greater. Oh, that's excellent. Because I've suffered in it. Yeah. Um, So that's the, but without a resurrected body, there's no guarantee of that. Well, my follow-up question was going to be something based off the last podcast where I said, Hey, what's God doing in your life right now? Yeah. As you studied for this message, how were you encouraged by, by what you just said? Yeah, again, I was encouraged because I think a lot of it, because suffering is hard, you know, and life is hard. And in fact, I said this at the 1115, which is the one that we wound up putting online, but I didn't say it at the others. Um, It's when Paul says we're, I'm pretty sure it was Paul, our outward self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. Mm -hmm. Well, those two things go hand in hand again. So unfortunately, what we do a lot of times is our inner reality is so dependent upon our outer one. Mm-hmm. Um, so my inner joy is, is waxes and wanes is based upon my outward experiences to where Paul says, actually, no, they can have an inverse relationship to where actually the worse it gets in your life, the, the more you can be renewed inside. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of, you know, turning up fire to purify something. So in my own life, to answer your question, in my own life, um, you know, same way in ministry, I just described in marriage. When I was in ministry, when I first started in ministry, I was very idealistic, Mm -hmm. you know, um, very excited, Yeah, you know, very excited to preach and tell people about Jesus and serve. Um, But I was still very idealistic about my capacities and if people would just listen, you know, and that kind of stuff. Um, but now 25 years in of serving in ministry, I'm less idealistic, you know, I'm like, but I'm not more cynical. Mm. And I think that's the, so in my younger years, I had more capacity for idealism, but also more capacity for cynicism Mm -hmm. to where now, even though it's been hard, you know, ministry and marriage, anything, anything that's worth anything is hard. Um, and so in some ways I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like I'm more tired than I've ever been. You know, <laughs> I am more, you know, I have more responsibility than I've ever had, mm-hmm. you know, leading a church, leading a family, going to school, you know, that kind of stuff. 
But then I also feel that God is more faithful than ever. Yes. You know, and he is renewing me in ways that, um, that are again, inversely related to my inverse, but not bad in a good way. So as it's like, as my suffering has increased, because mm-hmm. leadership is all about sacrifice and suffering, what you're willing to suffer for. Um, this is why everybody's a great parent until they have kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody has the secret to marriage until they're married. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has, everybody knows how to lead a church <laughs> until they do it. Right. Um, so leadership is super tough. And because you're always paying a price for something. Mm. Um, but the more you pay a price for something, the more it's valuable to you, the more it means to you, right. the more skin you have in the game. Um, and so therefore you see God in ways that you didn't see. So again, that's, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but to answer your question, I feel like God has been faithful. Like just when I think that God, um, oh, you're bless you. Yeah. Just when I think like, surely he's done with me now, you know, like, um, he, he says something or does something or shows me something that reminds me that no, he is with me and he is still, I think a lot of, and it's kind of funny. I'm thinking as I'm talking, which is a true extrovert. I think a lot of people think that, you know, I preach. And so a lot of people think I must feel like super close to God all the time. Mm. Cause I pre they hear me preach and they're mm-hmm. like, how did you know that? Like God download. I think people would be surprised that some of the greatest preachers and leaders in the world that have ever lived that have been used by God in great ways also at times were convinced that he wasn't with them. Mm. Like there's this, like they were, they were so like David, I mean, you know, in the, he was his biggest prayer. God don't take your presence from me. I mean, he was doing these great things for God, but then he was so he, I mean, he wrote, you know, where are you? Yes. Yes. Uh, And so, those two things. So that's what I kind of the point that I'm making is as I was studying this, it was just a reminder that any physical price you pay for something is worth it because it will be restored. And that was, and, and I don't know if it was a conscious thing to shift into that in the message, but as you talked about the difference between a savior and a Lord yeah, there, that's where it, the, the rubber meets the road. There's a there's a cost to having Jesus as Lord. Yes. There's a price to pay, but it's worth it. Totally. And yes, and that's where I wanted to I wanted to hit on that because, you know, the the main part of the story or that particular passage is, you know, Jesus going to Thomas and Jesus meeting Thomas where he's at. But I do think Thomas's response was important you know, and the words he said. And so it struck me when I was studying those two phrases, my God and my Lord, where they're different. Why did he say both? Because that is the response of a true believer. I don't just want God to save me, but I want God to command me. Um, and, and the point that I made, which is so true for a lot of us, everybody wants God to, not everybody, but a lot of people want God to save them, but they don't want God to command them. Because God will command how you how you use things that are very important to you, you know, uh, your loves, your body, 
your relationships, your money, your time, all things that validate your life, you know? And so when, when we start to follow God, we have to put all those underneath submission to him, which is very terrifying Mm -hmm. to some people. Yeah. Um, which again, I understand, like I said, I, I struggle with the command sometimes, but I don't struggle with his ability to command me because I know he wouldn't save me to then make me miserable. Like he would save me because he has more for me than I could get on my own. That's how we grow. That's the yes. purpose of the Grow People podcast is yes. to remind us you know, why, why it's important to have God command us. Yeah, but because he has more joy for us. Yes. So again, like think about it like this. The moment of your salvation, you know, as Jesus says in Matthew 13, the seed is planted. So the seed is planted, so it went in, you were saved. And from that point on, for the rest of your life, it, well, for the all eternity, it's going to grow. It's going you're going to grow in maturity. And growing in maturity means you obey quicker. You know, you obey faster. You obey more in every area. Well, again, why would God want us to obey? Mm-hmm. Um, not because he is, that's the lie of the world that somehow God's commands are holding out on you, which is funny to me because the world wouldn't give you a different command. Um, like the world wouldn't be able to give you a different command on how to use something that God didn't create. And what I'm, what I mean by that is God created it. So the owner and creator of something is going to know better how to use it. So the fact that we actually start with the premise that the world knows better is we're mistaking who actually owns it or who actually made it. That's why one of the things that you have said so many times uh, over the years is when we're talking about serving, when we're talking about generosity, when we're talking about relationships Uh and getting into accountable relationships and small groups and things like that. It's not something we want from you. Yeah. It's something we want for you because God has created this for our growth. Again. Yes. It's those that have children understand this. I think to a a degree on a personal level, like I didn't have children because I wanted to make their life miserable. (laughs) I had children because I had love. My wife and I had love to share with them. Mm-hmm. Again, you guys have dogs. You didn't have dogs to make their life miserable. <laughs> but they do. <laughs> yeah. You got dogs because you had love to give to them. Right. And so therefore, any commandment that you give your dog or your child, you're giving it to them to increase joy in them and love from you. So that's just the way it works in a healthy relationship. And I think that's the fallacy is somehow we just are and in sin, obviously, but we're just so messed up by sin that we, we question God's motives in commanding us. When I think what Jesus was getting at, why he showed up, he was like, why are you questioning God's motives to command you? He made mm-hmm. you. He loves you. He's for you. So why wouldn't you listen to him? Right. Why wouldn't you obey him? And that's why Jesus, I think, put the emphasis on obedience because that's what love is. And and that or that's how I display it, you know, in worship. Um, so again, to the point where Thomas, when Thomas says, when Thomas got it, 
that this was a physical resurrected Jesus. The only thing that made sense in that moment was this is my Savior and this is my Lord. And if that guy rose from the dead, that means he has the power over all the things that are killing me. So why would I not listen to him? Mm -hmm. And that's my point. Why would I listen to the world who is bound by death to tell me how to do sex or money or anything when everything they're telling me is only going to end in death? Why would I not listen to the guy who it doesn't end in death, it ends in life, as Hebrews 7 says, and it's an indestructible life. Mm -hmm. It's an eternal one. So why would I not listen to that guy command me about what to do with my life when it's actually going to lead to more life? Again, it's only logical. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't understand when people won't obey him. So that that's the next question. Opinion. Uh-huh. Why is it so prevalent in churches for many people to trust in Jesus, raise their hand, walk an aisle, think they're good to go, and never follow him? Yeah, I, I don't... Well, let me say this. I don't think that's unique to the modern day church. Mm-hmm. Let me say that. Because I do think there is a lot of, uh, you know, church haters out there because they've been hurt by church or, and I'm not dismissing that. I'm just saying they've, they've come to a conclusion that somehow the problems we're facing now in the church are unique to now. Mm-hmm. They're not unique to the church as an institution now. They're unique to humans. Okay. So <laughs> my point being, I mean, when Jesus was here, when right. Jesus was on the earth, we mentioned this in John, the saddest verse in John for sure, but mm-hmm. probably in the whole Bible, John 6, 66, which I made a point then of 666, is when the crowds turned away and no longer followed Jesus. Mm. So again, people, human nature, human nature is hostile to God. So that's why I think it happens. Now, so it's a human problem, and also churches are led by humans. So I I do think one of the problems in the modern church, and by modern, I'm I'm talking the last 40, 50 years, Mm. is we've placed an overemphasis on the love of God and an underemphasis on the holiness of God. Mm. And which I have mentioned this a couple times in, in even not too long ago sermons, one of the biggest phrases that people love to say, God is love, God is love. And I'm not saying he's not, he is. But there's only two references in the same text in First John where it says that. But over 300 times, the Bible says God is holy. So which one of those do you think God wanted to emphasize more? (laughs) I mean, just sheer volume tells Mm -hmm. you. So I think we have misunderstood what love is. Mm -hmm. As I've said many times, love is not a license. Love is not, I affirm whatever choice you make. Mm -hmm. Um, Love is, love is truth applied. Like it, love is truth applied graciously. That's love. Um, so if you want to look at love, it's it's truth and grace, you know. So, well, the holiness of God demands that I, I mean, the Bible says, be holy as I'm holy, you know. So I think we have 
not helped people understand. We've created this false dichotomy that somehow you can have God as your Savior and not your Lord. You can't. There is no category in the Bible for that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, th- and that's one of the scariest verses in the, in the New Testament when Jesus said, there'll be many who said, Lord, Lord, but I didn't know him. Mm-hmm. And it, he rattles off, well, we did this and we did this and we did this. But yeah, I didn't know you um, because you didn't obey me. You know, so again, I'm not saved by obedience. I'm saved by Jesus's obedience. That's right. I'm saved by his work. Mm -hmm. But his work, this is the argument of James, his work is going to empower me to work. His his obedience is going to empower me to obey. So if there is no obedience in my life, I have to question, I think the Bible questions if you are really saved by his obedience. Mm. Because again... If somebody saved you from drowning in the ocean, right, and you got into the boat and you're like, "Thank you so much for that," and then you jumped right back in, yep, you know, <laughs> like the sheep that gets pulled out of that crevasse. Yeah, you seen that on Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's and I've I've tweeted it out. It's really hilarious, <laughs> and that is true. And again, I'm not saying that Christians never sin, um, but again, there's got to at least be a recognition. And that's what I was trying to make the point of this last weekend is I still struggle with obeying, but I don't struggle with his authority to obey me. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. I think that's where we all are. Yes. Yeah. Is a Christian, a Christian who struck or well, let me say that, a person who claims to be Christian and who makes statements like, well, God just loves me the way I am, or, or they're living their life contrary to biblical orthodoxy, and they say, well, you know, they, they say, well, God can't oh, command me in this area, or, you know, they, they say, well, my, let's just take like sexuality outweighs this. So it's more of a question of identity, and that's what I'm getting at, is Christians are people who by identity are saved and commanded. That's because we're a child now. Again, that's like my kids. My kids are my kids because we either birthed them or adopted them. Mm -hmm. And so both of them would say they're saved. You know, they were, they were created, you know, you know, brought into the family by no action of their own, right? Neither one of them, neither one of my children got into my family by their actions. Mm-hmm. They got into our family by Lindsay and I's actions for them. So they're saved. They're my child in that sense. But how crazy is it if they grow up in my family and they say, but you can't command me. Mm. But no, I can't cause you're my child. Right. So like if I can't command you, then you're not my child in the same way. I'm not going to go command somebody else's children and I don't want somebody else to command my children right. because they're not my children mm-hmm. and they're my children are not theirs. So like, that's what I'm getting at. We just have created this weird dichotomy of people that were like, yeah, I'm born into the family of God. I'm saved, but he doesn't command me. No, it's a, it's a great analogy of comparing your own children yeah. and the, uh, <laughs> the right that you have to command them yes. with Romans eight. Yeah. God adopts us as sons and daughters, mm-hmm. and we we call him Abba Father. Yeah. Well, if that is true, he certainly has the right to command us. Totally. And and 
The writer of Hebrews deals with this in Hebrews 12 when he says, basically, you know who your father is by who disciplines you. Mm -hmm. God, we know God is our father because he disciplines us. And in his discipline, that is him commanding us. And if we, if we say you don't have the right to do that, basically saying you're not my Lord, then what I'm saying is then he's not your God. Mm. He's not your father. So many times in the preaching of messages through the gospel according to John for the last two years, we have heard the phrase more joy, mm-hmm. more joy. And that, mm-hmm. that's the whole point. If you get anything out of today's podcast is the obedience abiding in, following, letting him command you, obeying the commands. Yeah. It's for our joy. Totally. And and I always want to stress that, A, because Jesus didn't. <laughs> but again, I go back to the original design. When God made Adam and Eve, people, and I used to tell this to teenagers all the time, go back in the Bible and look at how many commands God gave. He gave two one of prohibition, don't do this, and one of commission, do this. And the one that, that was do this was go make babies, mm-hmm. like go have sex and multiply. That's a pretty awesome command. <laughs> and the other one was don't do this. So he had two. That was it. So to say that he was somehow this, and then it expanded to 10, you know, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it just, that's my pet peeve. There you go. That is okay. my pet peeve. When people have just bought into this lie that it's somehow not about joy. Mm. It is. God created this beautiful garden, put two naked people in it and said, go multiply and eat everything except for this one tree. And dad it if they didn't go eat that one tree. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, but I think that's the part of the story that's missed. They were like, but look at all this amazingness that God made. Mm-hmm. He made it for us to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And he came and saved us because we ruined it. And now it, it's going to get more joy when it's renewed and restored. Uh, I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm excited that uh, in June, and I've been thinking about this for a while, uh, a message on the cost of discipleship, mm-hmm. but not in a condemning way. Hey, no. hey, you're not doing this. You know, you're not following Jesus. But flipping it and saying the cost of discipleship is great, but the payoff is greater. Is greater. Yeah, it's like again, whether that's working out, whether that's eating healthy, whether that is a marriage. You know, in fact, I was Lindsay and I watched this uh this uh we watch Blue Bloods. We love this TV show and we just watched one last night and the characters in the show are Catholic, so there's always a lot of Catholic themes. And one of the priests was talking about how one of the greatest um, sacrifices of becoming a priest, you know, you can't get married, and which is super weird to me. But because Peter, the first pope in their mind, was married, so I'm like, whatever. Um, but one of the things I never thought about that they talked about, and I'm not trying to down Catholics, but he said, everybody thinks that the worst part of becoming a priest is you can't have sex. But what they don't realize is the worst part about becoming a priest is you can't play basketball with your son. You mm. can't take your daughter to a dance. Whoa. You don't have a family. Whoa. Um, and I thought, whoa, that is a huge sacrifice. And the reason why I'm saying that, and it clicked in my mind, is the one of the greatest uh, costs in my life 
is raising kids. <laughs> it's a great cost. It is, it's the cost of parenting, just like the cost of discipleship. But in doing so, I get the great joy mm. of having children. Mm-hmm. So in the same way, I'm, I'm using that analogy uh, analo- as an analogy to what you're saying is, yeah, if, if you think there's no cost in parenting, you're disillusioned. But the, co- the benefit for us outweighs it because as you get older, you have a family. You're not alone. You experience way more joy. So in the same way, there is great cost to following Jesus. And we do a great disservice to people by not saying that. But the joy, you're, mm-hmm. you're far outweighs the cost. A huge payoff. Yes. And, and, and that's what I want to convey. Yeah, I think it's um, great. And, you know, when, when Luke is talking about that in, in chapter 14, mm-hmm. he uses the same word that you just used about the crowd. Hmm. So the crowds began to follow him. Yeah. And in that crowd are followers. Mm-hmm. In that crowd are just fans. Yeah. And there's some fakes in that crowd. Mm-hmm. So, um, see what you did there. See, yeah, yeah. And we have to wait till June. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Excellent stuff. I, I wanted to get into um, stewardship in response to uh, the resurrection and and why it is important to value what we have in light of the fact that there was a physical rec- resurrection. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I like how you frame the last two messages. Okay. Now, now here's the response yeah. to Jesus being resurrected mm-hmm. and, and how we're going to do that. We're just going to have to wait till the next podcast. All right. Because right. um, the list of names at the end of the podcast is getting long. <laughs> every, every week I run into people and they just say, you know, we, we're just laughing out loud during yeah. the podcast. But then we get so engaged at the conversation in the podcast and then we hit them again yeah. and they laugh at the end. So uh, every week there's a brand new name and these are all people that work uh, on the show. Cause it, yeah. it takes a, it takes a lot. It takes to, a lot of to people to put this together. Yeah. Um, bear with me for just one moment. I need to pull up somebody's actual name uh, because I am going to give it a shot to pronounce it correctly. Hmm. And, and I may not be able to do that. Um, but I did not have it pulled up on my phone earlier. I'm going to do this right now. Okay. Uh, I, this is going to be tough. This is going to be. I'm, the guys I, are laughing I, in the I, other I'm room. I'm going to yeah. need him on on the microphone. Okay. His, his first name is Jacob. We call him Cuba. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I it, think they knew where this was yeah, going. They, yeah. they do. <laughs> um, Pushikowski. Is that correct? Puzanowski. He said close enough. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, along with our producer, Brian Damaro, our Who's uh, one of our tell him who he is. He's one of our team members here who is from Poland. Poland. Yes. Poland. So and yeah. um and he and his wife were living in Poland and providing supplies and care for Ukrainian refugees at the beginning yeah. of the conflict, uh, the war yeah. uh, that Russia uh, attacked yeah. when Russia attacked Ukraine. Which I didn't know. He was telling me this a couple weeks ago. Yeah, his name is Jacob, but they would say, how, how would y'all say? Uh, Cuba? No. Yeah, oh. no, I know that. But Jacob, Jacob right? It's Jacob. more of a Y sound. Mm-hmm. And so Cuba being the last part of that word, that's a that's a famous Polish way of saying, like a nickname for Jacob. Mm-hmm. So we were all like, how'd you get the name Cuba? 
you know, it's like super cool name, but it's very common in Poland. So um, we, yeah, so we yeah. don't, we don't call him his whole name. It, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, we just say Kuba. Yeah. And we're so thankful that he is here. Uh, uh, he plays bass uh, in, on the worship team. Mm. He serves in production. He runs the soundboard sometimes, and he's a assistant producing. The yes. Grow today. people podcast along with Brian Damaro, um, who is our, <laughs> she said, don't worry about it. <laughs> He's the um, jack of all trades. Okay, our head of doctrine and theology is Theologian. Um, our chief evangelist is Salvation. Our backsliding prevention officer is, of course, Luke Warm. Our translator is Lexicon. Our lineage specialist is Genealogy. Our director of Swedish witnessing is Bjorn, Bjorn again. again. Um, <laughs> Uh, our reform theology advisor is Calvanism. Our expert on Russian eschatology is Pitoff L. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the way that you emphasize that every time. <laughs> I know uh, people listening can't see your, but it's the, it's the, yeah. yeah. Uh, director of holiness, mortification. Uh, our staff counselor is Les Moody. Yeah. Um, our giving coordinator is Jenna Rossity. Our, our director of tithing is Tim Percent. Yeah. Our nativity coordinator is from France, and her name is Beth Laham. Um, our, Are you going to say every time she's from France? I have to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that Especially know. with the new one today. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, where am I? Oh, the co-pastors of Plagues, Manny Locusts, and Lance Boyles. <laughs> Lance Boyles. Uh, the curator of Lost Artifacts. Is uh, this the new one? Uh, no. Oh. No. This is uh, last week's? There were, there were three since, uh, say, we had the curator of lost Old Testament artifacts, no account. No account? Did I not do that one? I don't think so. Oh. Oh, I, I must have written it down as, as a new one. I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't want to use that one. Forget that one. Forget yeah. that one, because I'm so excited about the new one. Um, our Irish eschatology professor is Mark O' the Beast. <laughs> Mark. Mark. Oh, the beast. Did you do uh, that one last week? I did that one last okay, week. Okay, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. La you laughed at that. Yeah. Um, and then heading up, here's the new one. Okay, you have to tell me, because some that I think are new and some that are not. Okay. So this one is new. This one is new. For sure. Yeah. It, and I got a lot of help from Leanne on this one okay. this morning, because uh, I had it, and she says, no, it'll be funnier if it's this way. Okay. Okay. Heading up our legal policies and procedures department. Okay. Also from France, Stone Tablet. <laughs> <laughs> Stone tablet. Stone tablet. Legal. Law. Law. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. There you go. And the podcast is now over. Stone. Stone tablet. Uh, he'd be like that famous. He's like a famous uh, artist. Just like the one name. Stone. Stone. Like. Um, Whatever happened to Stone Phillips? I have no idea. Yeah. He was big for a while. Yeah. Then it's gone. I don't um, for transcripts of the show. I, I don't know, but I hate it when his music is playing in Italian places. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the newscast. Yeah, I'm just okay, joking. okay. That, but that's funny. That's yeah. very, that's very, that's a callback. It's a big pit peeve I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> all right, now, now people are going to think I'm a pet peeve guy. Yeah. <laughs> Because of that. Now, now people are going to go into restaurants and, and wonder if you would like it or not. They yeah. will. I they, know. they will. Yeah. And they'll tell me. They'll tell they'll you. come up on Sunday and say, hey, I went to Brooklyn Joe's and they had Pink Floyd playing. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, 
I can almost tolerate Pink Floyd now. Mm. Almost. See, for 20 years, I listened to Pink Floyd every day. Exactly. It's not that you didn't like it. It's that you liked it too much. I liked it yeah. too much. Uh, for a transcript of the show, write down everything we say. And finally, trust God. Well, you didn't say the best advice ever. That's what I was waiting for. Oh. Have you done radio before? I have not. <laughs> <laughs> and the best advice ever. <laughs> trust God and take it now. <laughs>